Welcome to episode 255 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Debbie, Kimberly, Catherine, and Sasha. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Debbie, Kimberly, Catherine, and Sasha, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today I'd like to share a talk by Anne Marie R. I loved her humor and her ability to find gifts in troubles. A brief note about the audio quality, there seem to be some very brief interruptions here and there in the recording, but the essence of her talk, the message that she's carrying, comes through beautifully anyway. Hi, I'm Anne Marie. Hi, Anne Marie. And I'm a grateful member of this worldwide fellowship, and that's amazing um, that it's worldwide. And uh, I so want to thank everybody who put this together, Carolyn and Kay and her husband, John, and um, the committee. You know, a lot of work goes into these conferences. And, you know, it's, it all happens because people say yes. People step up. They be of service. And if you're not of service, you need to step up. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Um, so I'm really grateful to be here. And, um, and I really do want to thank Melinda um, because the thing that I thought was so wonderful um, is it's such a testimony to her program, the fact that she was willing to go any lens, any lens. And I thought, how wonderful. I mean, she even called me up and asked me, you know, well, what do you like to eat? And I thought, <laughs> okay, I guess we're getting a little personal here. And I kept getting these phone calls, and <clears throat> finally I thought, you know, I, 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 we need to get on the same page. <clears throat> That's what I tell my, my girls who I sponsor. You know, we need to get on the same page. Um, <clears throat> this July I will be celebrating 24 years in this program. Thank you. <clears throat> and the only reason why it's 24 years is because I keep coming back. And what I was told was that in every Al-Anon meeting, there's a chair with your name on You just have to keep coming back. Um, I love an alcoholic. Um, I grew up with an alcoholic. I think they're fascinating. They're wonderful. And then when you get them, you can't get rid of them. Um <clears throat> I kind of want to go back to the beginning a little bit. Um, I was born in North Carolina, and I had a real thick accent. When you asked me my name, I'd say, hi, I'm Anne Marie Ravens. And, um, and my parents, I will say, are not alcoholics. Um, my older brother is an alcoholic drug addict. And I can call him that today because he identified himself in the rooms of AA. Um, unfortunately, he is nooms. He's what I call a slipper. He kind of slips in and slips out and slips in. But he was in the program for about 13 years, and I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so my childhood was really great, you know, living in the South. And, you know, it was wonderful. It was really fun. And um, uh, we had a... Uh, a neighbor across the street that I used to go play with. And, um, you know, when I look back and I remember doing my fourth step, you know, my childhood was really wonderful, and I really enjoyed it. There was a lot I didn't know what was going on, though. You know, I come from a family of four. I am the baby. And, um, and so uh, two boys, two girls, and my brothers were the oldest. And, you know, there was a funny thing that um, my brothers were never really around. And then I was just kind of shuffled off to go to the neighbor to go play, and her name was Winky. Why her name was Winky, I don't know. <laughs> but I loved Winky, and she had a room full of toys, and it was wonderful. And then what happened is, um, you know, my brother, my older brother is 10 years older than I am. And then what happened was he um, 
you know, he never was really around. He just wasn't around. Um, I come from a very European background. You know, Beverly uh, was talking yesterday about the Italians. Well, I'm Italian and Spanish, and I like to say, uh, we are the loud family. <laughs> you know, we all we talk loud, you know, um, and there's no such thing as screaming. You know, we just talk loud, and um, at least that's what we used to say. You know, it's not screaming. You know, I'd had friends come over in high school, and they're like, you know, you guys are screaming at each other. And I'm like, no, we're not. We're talking. We're talking. <laughs> You know, we're talking. And um, and so what happened is um, after being in North Carolina, um, we moved up to New Jersey. So now you can imagine taking this real little southern belle named Anne Marie and moving to Jersey. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to get with the program real quick, you know. And... Um, so uh, I did. I had to get with the program real quick, you know, because I come from an alcoholic home, and I feel unwanted, unloved, and alone. And I try to do everything perfect. And so I got real involved in high school, you know. In fact, when we graduated uh, high school, the senior class, you know, high school book uh, was basically the Anne Marie Ravens book because I was in everything. You named it, I did it. You know, soccer, I played. You know, chorus, I did it. Oh, there's a play, I'll do it. SGO, Spanish club, Italian club, you know, I just did everything. And part of that was because I just didn't want to be home, you know. I didn't want to be home. And um, and, and as you all know, this disease uh, progresses, and it gets worse before it gets better. And, you know, cops would come to our house looking for my brother, and you know. And then there was a period where my, my older brother just wasn't around. You know, he wasn't around. And uh, I just was real involved with all my activities, and um, and I loved that. And then um, and then I graduated high school. And the funny thing was, is it wasn't until years later that a lot of people that I hung around with, they also had alcoholism. We found later on in our house, in their homes. And um, you know, we all stick together. You know, and that's the one thing I do want to talk about. I want to talk about you know anonymity. You know, when I walked into these rooms and, you know, everybody started, you know, talking about their secrets. It's, you didn't hang your dirty laundry out. And I remember when I first went to one meeting and people were talking about their secrets. And I, and, um, and then what I realized is, you know, that anonymity, you know, whom you see here, you leave here, let it stay here, here, here. And I, and that's really important, you know, and I learned that lesson. Um, when I went to a meeting, I saw a gentleman, he was going to Al-Anon, and he didn't want his wife to know. And I remember going into a grocery store, and I saw him, and he was with his wife. And he kind of looked at me, and I, I, I was so excited to see him, and I wanted to go over to say hello. And he just nodded his head, and I just walked right by. And then when I went to the meeting that week, he came over, and he gave me a big hug, and he said, thank you so much, you know, and that's working the program, and that's keeping someone's in. So just to move forward. So I went to high school and after high school and being really, really involved. And, you know, my childhood and, and growing up was great. You know, my parents provided us with so much and, you know, a lot of culture and arts. And, you know, it was just great, you know. And my dad um, was a professional. My mom was an all. And, you know, so on the out, you know, on the outside, it all looked really wonderful. But on the inside, it was a mess, you know was a real mess. And um, I remember when my older brother would bring his friends, there was just something kind of about them that was a little bit sleazy or a little bit off or, you know, they were a little gla- too glassy-eyed or, you know, their words were a little swirled or, you know, there's just something off. But I was attracted to those kind of men. <laughs> so I decided I needed to get me one. So I went down um, after I graduated uh, high school and I went to college. Um, there was a period where I decided to um, to go down to the shore because we don't call it the beach. It's the shore in Jersey, all right? So let's get one thing straight. It's the shore. So I went down to the shore, and um, here I am in my 20s, and I go into this club, and there he is, you know, there's there's my man. And um, 
you know, they have this way about them and just handsome and charisma and just just a tall glass of water that you just want to drink all day long with me. <laughs> so I um so I met this man and um and thus began our roller coaster. And it was fun. Oh, it was so much fun. And so we were dating for the summer, and, you know, and time goes by, and I'm falling in love, and I'm thinking, I've got the house and the wedding, and, you know, I've got everything planned. You know, everything planned. And um, and then I, and so we start talking about that, and then I say to him, you know, so, you know, where's our future going? Where are we going? He says, well, i got a little something i got to tell you. He said, well, I'm kind of married a little bit. <laughs> kind of married a little bit. Now, what's that mean? I'd like to hear the definition of that. And what happened was um, he was an alcoholic and cocaine addict, and basically his wife had kicked him out, and they were in the middle of a divorce. But I didn't know that. And, um, and so, of course, I was very young and naive. I was in my 20s. And um, I wanted to save and help this man. And so... Um, you know, I couldn't understand why he kept giving me all these different phone numbers, you know, to contact him. And what he was is he was just bouncing around to all his friends. And um, and then it got real bad. You know, he started coming over my house and, you know, he'd be high or he'd be drunk. And and um, and then there was a point where I just I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I asked him to leave. And it was the worst day of my life. Because when I asked him to leave and he walked out the door, I thought, what am I doing? I just let go my Prince Charming. <laughs> my, my prince on my white horse just went away. And, um, and I thought, that's it. And I cried tremendously. And I was alone. And I was afraid. And I had nobody to call and nobody to share. And um, and then three days later, he called me. I love you, and I hope that when I get out, you'll be there. Yes. I am in love. And uh, so he went to rehab. And I need to tell you, the rehabs in New Jersey are nothing like the rehabs in California. The rehabs in California, I think they should just call them a spa resort. <laughs> nothing like, you know, nothing like the rehabs in New Jersey. And they're actually, you know, I went to visit him, and it's, it's actually at the Marlboro State facility, Jail facility. They have like a little home that's on the, the, the land there, and uh, you had to go through this I felt like I was in the airport or TSA, and you had to go through um, questioning, and they, and it was really difficult, you know, and I thought, God, all this to see him. But the the thing was, I couldn't see him unless I went to this, and it was called an Al-Anon meeting. Now, you can imagine a Jersey girl in the 80s with real long nails and real high hair and real high shoes telling her she's got to go to this meeting before you get to see your man. And I'm like, what, are you kidding me? What do I got to do? I got to do what? No. I got to go to this meeting and sit with these strangers? I don't know, because I, I want to see my man. I'm here to see my man. So I go to this meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Give me the literature. Thank you very much. And I get to see him. So I'm so excited, you know. Now, the rule is you can't touch each other. What do you mean? I want to, he's my man. I want to get my heart. What do you mean I can't touch him? What, 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 do you got rules now? <laughs> so I go and I see him and we have to, you know, sit, you know, like a couple feet away from each other. And like, okay, I'm following the rules because I'm a good girl. 
You know, I know the rules. And see, that's the difference between Al-Anon and AA. <laughs> we follow the rules. <laughs> they like to color out of the line. <laughs> so, of course, we're getting, you know, we're getting ready to leave. And I get up and, you know, I give a little wave like, bye. And he grabs me and he kisses me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I broke the rules. And they're like, that's it. You are done. You can't see them anymore. And I was like, what? Now, you don't tell a Jersey girl she can't see her man. And I was like, oh, I don't believe this. So now I can't come see you because you went and you kissed me. And you know what? That wasn't even a really good kiss. And if I'm going to get a good kiss, you know what? This, and now I can't go. So all the way down the corridor, I am screaming, are you kidding me? And I can't believe this. And, this, and now, unbelievable, I can't see you and you'll kiss me. And, you know, and of course, he's standing at the end of the corridor and he's like, you know, she really loves me. <laughs> I was infuriated. So then they tell me that I got to keep coming back, you know. I said, keep coming back for what? And they said, you got to go to meetings. I said, okay. So fr a Friday night, I walked into a women's bayhead, me bayhead meeting, and I walked in. And, of course, in Jersey, during that time, <laughs> we got real high here. So I walk in this meeting, I'm like, I here we go again. I'm here for this meeting. And this lady looks at me and she says, sit down. And shut up. So now I gotta sit down, I gotta shut up. I'm like, I don't know if I like this. So I sat down. And I shut up. And then after the meeting was done, she's like, go home. Give me a hug. Go home. Pray. And I'll see you next week. And my response to that was, all right. So, came back next week. She gave me a big hug. She said the same thing. Sit down. And shut up. <laughs> what is this? I need a list. I got things I got to say. I got to fix him. I need to tell him what to do, and then we're going to be all right. Because you know what? He is causing a lot of problems. And, and I know how to fix this. And this needs to be fixed. Right away. So I get to the meetings, and it, they keep asking me, how, how am I doing? I'm like, how am I doing? What do you mean, how am I doing? My man, he's in rehab. He gave me a kiss. It was awful. You know, how am I doing? What do you think? How am I doing? So here I keep going to these meetings because they keep telling me, go to these meetings. I go to these meetings. Every time they ask me, how am I doing? All I keep talking about is him. Well, he did this and he did that and he did this and he, and you know, I had the hee hees. Hee 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 hee. You know, and those newcomers, you know you, when you come in, you see them, they're all like, <laughs> like very exposed you know you're like just you sit down darling you sit down right here next to me you know so she asked me you know how you doing and I talked about him and she gave me a big old hug and I come back next week and she'd ask me how I'm doing she'd give me a big old hug and then one day she asked me how I was doing I said I'm having a hard time and I said my life's been affected by alcoholism and she said you know what kid you you got it and thus began my walk on this journey of the spiritual. Because it is the program. It is the willingness to serve of this program. It is active participation in the 12 steps that allow you. And nobody else is going to do that. And that's your journey and your path. And you don't do it by yourself. And that's what I love. 
Are there any newcomers here? I want to welcome you. And don't you leave this room without giving me a hug. (laughs) I want to welcome you and say that today is the first day of the rest of your life that you never, ever have to do anything alone or by yourself. And that was a gift when I heard that when I came into these. I never, ever have to do anything by myself. I want to thank the long timers because it's the long timers in these rooms that have led the path and led the way and have allowed me to walk behind them or beside them, I like to say, because they have cleared and have I can walk in their footsteps. So if you've got a long timer that's in your meeting, thank them, because that meeting is probably still there because of them, and they get to pass the torch, and that's a big response. And if you're a sponsor... And if you're a sponsee, then thank you, because that person is willing. Because when we willingly surrender, and we don't do it by ourselves. And so I kept going to that meeting, and this woman came in. Her name was Edith. And yet there was this wonderful softness and calmness to her. Because when she talked about the disease um, and her ex-husband, how it was all around her, and calm and tranquil. And I wanted that because my life was crazy, you know, and my man was going to be coming home in a couple months. And I didn't know what to do. And so I, I asked this woman to be, and she said, I will walk beside you. And when you fall down, I want you to reach up to God. I want you to hold the hand of God. And I said, okay. And she said, I want you to come to meetings. And I want you to read the literature. And this is my ODAD. And it's worn. And the one thing that is a testament to someone who's working a good program, I've been told, is that your books are worn and you are not. So, so we started working the program. And we started working the steps. One step at a time. And the first three steps are giving up steps. I'm told that I'm not alone, that I have a higher power. And that's my relationship, and I love that. I love that I have a relationship with power of my understanding. You do too. And no one can touch that relationship. And then I get to to walk these steps, and when I'm having a hard time, I get to hold on to the handrail. And the handrail are the slogans, you know. Easy does it. First things first. So when I'm having a hard time stepping up those steps, I got a hand roll, a handrail, excuse me, to hold you. And so I get to work the steps little by little. And, you know, I started working the steps, and I still had a little bit of the hee-hees, and, you know. And I remember going into to Edith's home, and we spent a lot of time, you know, walking on the shore. And, you know, I remember doing my fourth step, and after doing the fourth step and writing it, you know, we would rip it up and, and, you know, give it to God. And it was a wonderful journey. And then one day I was standing in her kitchen. I was like, you know, he's doing this and he's doing that. And this ain't working. And I need this list. And I keep going to the meetings. And they're not giving me the list to give him for the things he's got to do for me. And, uh, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so she looked at me one day and she said, what's your favorite color? I said, what kind of ice cream do you like? You know? How do you like to cut your hair? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? You know what? I didn't have the answer. And she says, you know, you've got some work to do. I said, okay. So I started doing that. Started working on myself. I started putting the focus on myself. And then she, I'd call her up and she'd tell me things like, I'd be talking about an issue and a problem. And she'd be like, good, now go clean your sock drawer and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> I got a problem here. I'm not cleaning out my sock drawer. What, are you kidding me? And I did what she said. I cleaned out my sock drawer. If she told me to jump, I asked how high. 
And you know, it all started off with cleaning my sock drawer because I started putting the focus back on myself. And when I got busy, my life got better. And so I started cleaning out my sock drawer, and then I started focusing on some other things. And then one day I sat in her kitchen, and I just said, you know what? Started having a little bit of the hee-hees again, and she looked right at me, and she said, Anne Marie, you need to get a life. Get a life. I thought, okay. So I got in a car, and I drove 3,000 miles to California. Um, but I did end that relationship with that gentleman. And the reason, one of the reasons why I did end that relationship with that gentleman is I went to my father. And I asked my father. I had a great relationship with my father. And I went to my father and I said, you know what, Dad? I'm not sure about this man. You know, he's been married. He has kids. This is his second marriage. He's ten years older than I am. And, you know, and, and I was just kind of weighing the pros and the cons because, you know, I learned how to do that and write that list. And, and so... um. So he looked right at me, and he said, you know, my daughter is a first. She's a number one, and you deserve to have the first. And that was my answer. He says, because I see you, and I want another gentleman. So I was able to break off that relationship and, uh, and, and in a very healthy way, which I never did before, you know. I was the kind of person that, you know, I remember I dated a guy in high school, and uh, I was talking on the phone with him, and he hung up on me. I was like, you don't hang up on me. I'm like, what, are you kidding? So I got in my car. I drove all the way to his house. I knocked on his door. He answered the door, and I said, you don't hang up on me when I call you. And then I got back in my car. I drove all the way home, and then I called him back. (laughs) Now, if that is not the definition of insanity, I don't know what is. So I was a little crazy when I came into these rooms. And I know I can pick some of you out. You did the same thing. Uh We have the potential to be phenomenal stalkers. (laughs) I always say we... We should, like, they should have, like, another division in the FBI that, that is for, you know, Al-Anon, because we can find you. We know what time you had your first drink and where, to, where you go. We're so good at that. You know what? I'll never forget when, um, when I was dating my qualifier, I don't call him my alcoholic anymore. It's so funny how, you know, we want to own them so much. You know, I remember coming in the rooms. I was like, my alcoholic, you know, mine, I shall possess you. I want you. So um, I remember when uh, when we were dating and, uh, and we were going through this process and, you know, Edith was helping me, you know, work through the steps. And, and I said, you know, I'm just so angry at him. I'm so angry at him. I love him. I hate, you know, I love him so much. I want to kill him. Because <laughs> he is mine. And, um, and I remember she said, you're not allowed to say anything except, oh. <laughs> so I said, okay. So he'd respond. And he'd say something to me. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> oh. 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 And one day he looked at me and he said, is that all you're going to say? And I went, oh. So I learned how to take the cotton out of my ears and put it in my mouth. And I also learned that I was only allowed to say things once. And they had to be said in at least one to three sentences. (laughs) I said, I'm from Jersey. We don't do that. (laughs) I said, hi. So Edith taught me, you know, how to walk with a sense of dignity and grace. And I remember when she first said that to me. She said, I want you to walk. Learn how to walk with dignity and that you want to be. 
all right. And I didn't know what that meant, you know. And today, um, today I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, I really believe and I really try to walk with a, with a state of grace. And, um, and there are days that that's, that's good. And the wonderful thing is I can stand up here because I work with him and say that that's sometimes, some days it's easy and some days it's not, you know. But I do the best I can and I do it. And for the beginners, I don't do it by myself. You know, I get to reason it out with someone else. So I moved forward. I moved forward and I went to California. When I got to California, I had lots of difficulties. And if somebody would have said to me, okay, you're going to go to California, you're going to have three major car accidents, you're going to have it go through an earthquake, um, uh, one of your sponsees is going to pass away, uh, your dad's going to pass away, um, you're going to be homeless, uh, you're going to lose your job, you're going to be on unemployment, then you're going to have another job, and then after you have that job, then you're going to lose that other job. Um, but in the meantime, you're going to ride the bus because then you're going to have another accident and um, so forth and so on. I would have never gone to California. <laughs> but that's the wonderful thing about the program, you know. When I was going cross-country, even though I was going to California and going to a place that I did not know, I already had a family there, my Al-Anon family. And I had the great honor and privilege to be able to walk um, this journey across country with one of my brothers, who is also today in al And, um, you know, when I, when I got there and when we were going across country, we actually stopped at different meetings across the way, which was great. I didn't get stopped down here in Texas, though. I scared of y'all. <laughs> so um, when I got to Al-Anon, when I got to California, I already knew my Al-Anon family was there, and I was just so excited. And so I'd go to the rooms, and I'd say, hi. You know, I'm Anne-Marie. How are you? And, uh, and their meetings were an hour and a half, and they had a coffee break. And I was like, what? I got to talk. I'm like, here we go again? And then they had a timer for three minutes. And I'm like, oh, timer? Now you got a coffee break. Now you're timing me and saying, you know, I can only talk for, for two minutes and then there's a beep and then you got to wrap it up. And I was just like, oh, God, you know. I'm like, I thought this was going to be easy and not harder. I call up Edith and go, I got a timer. <laughs> She's like, you keep going, you keep going, keep coming back. But see, what was really wonderful about that timer is I learned how to listen. And I learned how not to babble. And I learned how to talk and how to be precise. So when I was confronting someone or talking to someone, I could get on the same page with them. So coming back to a meeting wasn't just coming back and sitting in a seat. It was coming back and really learning. And li the thing that I love about long-timers in, in a meeting, and a couple of us went out to the speakers, and I'm so honored and privileged to, to do that. Um, we were sitting around the table, and we realized there was about 100 years. So get to a meeting, make sure, you know, I stand here today because I learned. And every time I go to a meeting, I always say, where's the gem? Where's you know, because I'm still a student. It doesn't matter that it's 24 years. What matters is, you know, am I still learning? Continue to take my inventory, you know, and learn how to walk. So I went to California, and and when I got there, I got in this really bad car accident. And I broke my leg. And after I broke my leg, um, where I was living, I was living in this little guest house. I totaled my car, lost my job, and then the uh, landlord came and said, you know, so here's your two-week notice. So I thought, great, you know what? Uh, I have a broken leg. Uh, I'm bedridden. I can't even sleep in my car because I don't have a car. Um, i got to get out of my house, and I don't have a job. So I called up Edith. You know, I reached out because when someone somewhere reaches out, let the hand of Alan on be there. And so I reached out, and her response was, what a blessing. <laughs> All right? 
And she hung up the phone. She said, I'll talk to you tomorrow. She hung up the phone. And I thought, what a blessing. And then all of a sudden my jersey came out. What, are you kidding me? (laughs) And I thought, okay. Because in every negative is a positive. And God's hand works in miracles. Well, at the time, I had been working with a company. And... um, and they knew about my situation. So what they did is there were about 30 of them. And they got together. And what they said is, you know, we'll cook. Each person will cook Amory a meal and bring it home. So every day I had someone that would bring me a hot meal that I dare with. And then they helped me move. And, uh, and I remember they all came. There were like 30 of them. And they, you know, loaded up my little guest house and moved to a we moved to another apartment, and I remember they were like, Amory, you're going to stay right here on the bed. And I'm like, okay. You know, in the meantime, it's like I had a big old sling, and, I, and my head had, you know, I'd gone through the windshield, so I had this big wrap on my head, and, you know, and I had a cast. And, you know, I'm like, okay, 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 you know. And they're like, well, we're going to just put you on the back of the truck here, you know, <laughs> with, with the mattress. And I'm like, great, you know. And I got on, you know, they lift me up, they put me on the mattress, and, you know, we're going real slow to the, to the, to the new apartment. And all of a sudden I look up and I see the skies, and I think, what a blessing. You know, I'm not by myself, you know, and God takes care of me. And, um, and then I remember, you know, I moved into the new apartment, and I'm in the shower, you know, and uh, my girlfriend, one of my girlfriends came over, and we wrapped me up in plastic, so I could take a shower, you know. And I remember being in the shower, and I'm thinking, how am I going to wash myself? And I lean over, and you know those little pumps with the soap? I go to do the pump, and I'm thinking to myself, what a blessing. (laughs) And that's where it started, you know, that in every negative is a positive. And, um, And God is good. You know, God is good. And then the young lady came to me one day, and she asked me to be her sponsor. And uh, we worked the steps. And I worked the steps, taught me. I read the literature. Because she told me that any problem you have, or any, someone has either put for it with you and can talk with you about it, or the answers are in the literature. So I took a literature commitment so I could read all the literature. And, you know, when I remember when I came into the program, there weren't a lot of young women. There were three. And I remember it was Christine, myself, and another young lady in the meetings. So when I came out here to California, I was so excited because, like, after ten years of being in the program, all of a sudden all these young people, you know, and I thought, what a blessing. So this young woman asked me to be her sponsor, and we walked through the steps how I was taught. And then what happened was um, she got cancer, and um, and I was able to walk through it with her. And um, and she passed away. And I'll tell you, at one point when I was in the hospital, all I kept thinking to myself was, you know, I don't know who the teacher or the student is right now, but I was just so open. And um, she taught me, you know, how to have dignity and integrity and I really learned what it is to walk in a state of And I'm so grateful to that woman. And, um, and I said goodbye to her. But one night, her parents, you know, of course, came to the hospital. And they were active alcoholics. And uh, they, they kept coming to the hospital drunk. And then um, the one day when I saw that she was getting, uh, the next day when they came to the hospital, uh, they were drunk. They had a little drink. I sat him down, and I said, tomorrow you are not going to have one drink. I said, you're going to come to this hospital, and you're going to say goodbye to your daughter, sober. And they said, okay. I said, come in the morning. I said, if you want to have a drink afterwards, you can. I said, but your daughter deserves that. And they did. They came to the hospital, and uh, they, they were shaken, and they were nervous. And I remember the mother said, I have no idea what to say. And that was the last time I saw her name was Lori. But I can't stand here and talk about my program without talking about Lori because she was really a gift. And I I really believe that that prepared me later on 
because um, a couple of years ago, um, I got a phone call from my mom, and my dad was real sick. And uh, when I got in the plane and I was packing, I knew that he was going to, at the time I had 17 years in the program. And when I got off the elevator and I was walking down the corridor in the hospital, the first thought that came into my mind is what that that if you don't work a program at home, you don't have a program. Because working your program at home is going to be the hardest place. And as I'm walking down that corridor, all I could think of was 17 years, and it's got to count. Because if I don't work my program right now, right at this moment, then I don't have a program. And I was able to do the things that I learned in this program. I learned to suit up and show up. I learned to say kind words. I did the do's and not the don'ts. I didn't scold or nag or or complain. You know, I did a lot of praying, you know, because I learned in this program what to do and what not to do and what to say and what not to say. And so I was able to be present, you know, and nobody knew what to do. And so um, I took control control and I did that for my father and you know the wonderful thing was there was a there was a time period where I said everybody's going to have a night to be with my father everybody just you and dad in the hospital and at the time he was on and we knew he was going to pass away well I don't know if my mom did um and so what happened was the doctors kept telling me what was going on and my brother came to the hospital and he was and he was screaming And I just let him be, you know. I just let him be. And he was crying, and, you know, he looked at me, and he said, you know, Marie, my dad. And so on a Saturday evening, because I learned in this room, I said, I want everybody to come to the hospital. And they all came to the hospital, and we all stood around the bed. And it was as if, you know, we had a meeting, because that's what I was taught in these. And we were able to say all the wonderful things. And I said, this is our opportunity to just tell Jay. And we did that two times. And it was a nice way to say goodbye. And then um, and then the next day, uh, the doctors came and said, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to take the tubes out. We're going to do and you need to tell your mom. And I have to say, that's one of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life. How do you tell someone who's been married for 51 years that the love of their life, they have to live? That's a hard conversation. But you know what I've learned in this program? So I went into the living room, and I sat in the living room, and I prayed, because that's what I learned in this program. And I asked God to do for me what I could. And I asked God to allow me to be an instrumental and to say what I needed to say. And my mom came in, and I said, Mom, I need to talk to you. She said, okay. And she continued to do, and she came back in. And she said, well, let's, let's go in the, in the bedroom. And she sat on the bed, and I sat there. And I've also learned in this program that you only, he loved you. And it's time to let. What a blessing. What a blessing. And so then the next day we went, and I got to hold my dad's hand. And I got to watch him take his last breath. What a blessing. Because in every negative is a positive. And that's a gift. That was a gift. And so then, you know, I had a great relationship with my, with my father as a result of this program. We could talk about anything. And today I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm so good with my dad. You know, we would talk about men and talk about sex and talk about career and talk about friends. I mean, we talked about everything, arts and sciences. But it's because of this program, the relationship that I had with him. And I was able to let that, you know, let him go peacefully. What a blessing. And then after that, um, you know, things became quite difficult. And I shared this a couple of years ago when I spoke in Texas. Um, but I have a program. You know, and I get to work my program, and I don't have to do it by myself, and I get to reason it out with someone else. Um, a couple of years ago, um, I lost my I lost my job, and after I lost my job, um, you know, uh, my rent and my apartment went up, and I couldn't afford it. And I called up Edith, 
And I told her. And she said, what a blessing. And I reached out to the program. Because that's what we do. We reach out. And about 30 or 40 people from the program. I just would say, hey, I'm moving. Don't know what I'm doing. Got to put my stuff in storage. No problem. People came. Everybody helped me. You know, everybody helped me. I didn't have to pay for a thing. I didn't even have to pay for tape for the boxes. People brought boxes and paper and tape and packed me up, and I put all my stuff in storage. And then when my apartment was empty, I got on my knees and I said a third-step prayer. I made a decision to turn my life and my will over to God because I continued to take my aces. And my prayer to God was, you know what, keep me safe. Let me have a place to lie my head and a place to clean and wash and suit up and show up. So for about two years, I bounced around from place to place just by the generosity of asking from these rooms. I need a place to stay. No problem, Amory. You stay at my place for two weeks. I put it on my calendar. What a blessing. Oh, well, Amory, I need a house at one week. Oh, okay. I remember, I think it was in February, I had a place to stay all through, like, October. I thought, great. What a blessing. I think, um, I think I moved, like, 86 times. What a blessing. Because my thought was, no matter where I go, how, how by me being there, how can I not only be a blessing, but is that person better off than I found as a result of my words or my action? So every place I moved into, I remember, you know, we're great organizers. And I remember I walked into this one lady's house, and she's a little messy. And she's like, you know, you can stay in this room here, Amory, for about a month. And I said, okay. And she said, you mind if I clean up a little bit? She said, no. So I helped her get organized. And you know what? When I left at the end of the month, I left her better off than I found her. Because that's what the program taught me. What a blessing. And then I'd, move to, I'd go to somebody else's house. And I'd go to someone else's house. And then I started house-sitting. And dog sitting and cat sitting and raccoon sitting and fish sitting and hamster sitting and well, what a blessing, you know. Because what you realize is, is it's not about, it's not about the stuff. Because I got stuff. Pay $250 a month for my stuff. Doesn't matter. Because it's knowing today where I stand, you know, and knowing who I am. And I get to stand in my circle with my God. And I'm not in your circle. Edith always used to say, stay in your circle with your God. Stay in your circle with your God. Because if you get out of your circle in somebody else's circle, he decides to shine a light on you, you're not going to be there. Nice way of saying, mind your business. I was like, okay. I'm like, I. So I learned to stay in my circle. Well, a while back, some one of the ladies that I had house sat for said, you know, Amory, are you still bouncing around? And I said, yeah. In the meantime, I'm suiting up, and I'm showing up, and I'm going to work, and I'm doing my job, and I'm sponsoring, and I'm going to meetings. Because it doesn't matter where I'm at. What matters is where I stand. I stand in my space, and I know who I am. And who I am today is I'm a child of God and who loves me. You know, Edith always used to say, you know, embrace all the wonderful and beauty that God has given you and all. So I went to this lady's house and her husband and, oh, it was perfect. Room and bath and all this. Because, you know, I'm in Al-Anon, so we got those little red flags that go up. And sure enough, after about a week, I noticed her husband was having a couple drinks here and there. I thought, okay. Well, of course I'm comfortable. I'm used to being in an alcoholic home, and that was an alcoholic home. So I lived there for about a year and a half, and I worked my program, probably harder in that home than I did in my own home. And it was good, you know. Tried to do a 12-step, but I just talked about the program. And then the husband every once in a while would ask me where I'm going, and I'd say, I'm going to a meeting, anything. I'm going to a meeting. Then one day he asked me, you know, what are these meetings you're going to do? 
I said, Al-Anon. I said, because if I willingly surrender to the spiritual discipline of Rogrand, I shall be transformed. And he didn't say anything. Then I went home this past uh, Thanksgiving. And when I went home, Edith said to me, you know, you can't go back there. She said, can't go back there. It's not good for your recovery. So when I came back this past December, I thought, what am I going to do? Still looking for a place. So I reached out. And a friend said, Emery, how do you do this? I said, I have faith. I have faith. And so I reached out. And so I've had a place to stay, you know, from December till now. And uh, I think I've moved seven times this time. But I was able to be of service and help. So now when I go back, the wonderful thing is I actually have um, three choices of where I might be able to live. I have someone in the program who actually wants to. I'm so upset it's not a guy. (laughs) We're working on it. Another is I have an older woman that I have to meet on Monday. She's about 92 years old, and she's looking for a housemate. And then um, I actually had an uh, interview with a, as a property manager uh, for a beautiful one-bedroom uh, rent-free. So they're going to, what a blessing. But I'm okay. And that's great. And when people ask me, how you doing, I say, I'm okay. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, are you kidding? That's great. I'm doing great. Okay is great. And that's what's wonderful about the program. I want to tell you a little joke. There's this, um, there's this little boy, and he's having dinner with his father, and the father makes him broccoli. Mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard, you know, puts ice cream all on this dish, and takes it out, and father goes, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I just love my broccoli with his mustard. And he starts dipping it all in, and he's eating it, and he's so happy. And, you know, every time he's dipping it and putting it in his mouth, his father looks at him and goes, oh, yuck. He goes, oh, yuck. And his dad keeps saying that, and he just says, he's eating, he's having a great time. Finally, he looks at his dad, and he said, don't yuck on my yum. <laughs> and I thought, that's the program. You know, that's, to me, that was just such a beautiful metaphor of Al-Anon and AA. You know, don't yuck on my yum. So today, today is good. I'm having a great day, and life is good, because I have a program and I have tools, and it doesn't matter what problem I have, because it's not a problem, solution in every problem. You just have to find the blessing in it, and it doesn't matter what I wear or what car I drive. What matters is that the space in which I stand, I know who I am today, and I walk with God. And I keep God in my circle. And if there is a problem, then I get to seek someone out in the program who's gone through that. And I get to walk through that with them. I'm not the first person who's had an accident. I'm not the first person who broke my leg. I'm not the first person who's lost parent. I'm not the first person who's lost sponsor. I'm not the first person who... You know, had to ride the bus. I'm not the first person who ever went cross country. I'm not the first person who ever had, you know, lost my job. I'm not the first person who was on unemployment. I'm not the first person who then got a job. I'm not the first person who had an apartment. I'm not the first person who, I can go on and on and on and on and on. (laughs) Because guess what? Somebody has walked before me. What a blessing. That a long timer has walked through it, grace. So when I have a problem or a difficulty, I can reach out, not only to God, but I can reach out and ask and say, I've, I'm gone. You know, it's like that wonderful, that wonderful saying about how the gentleman, he's in the hole and a priest walks by and, you know, says, hey, just help me out of this. And he goes, well, here, here's a prayer. And he throws him a prayer, you know. Walks up and goes, oh, you know, here, here's some. And all of a sudden, one of his friends walks by and he says, hey, help me out. And the guy jumps in with him and he goes, why did you jump in the hole with me? He said, because I know how to get out of here. Now, that's what Alan on is. I get to walk through it. So some things I'm working on today.
I'm working on my career. I'm working on a relationship. I need a list. I can't call him an alcoholic because he doesn't idea. But I'm such a good FBI agent. I really think that he is. One of the other blessings of this program is um, my father was able to see me graduate. You know, I had gone to school um, when I was in New Jersey, and I left shy of three years. I left shy of three years. And uh, then ten years later, after I came back here to California, I decided to get my degree. And uh, my dad was able to be there for that. And that was really important for my father because he had he went to every single one of his children's graduates. And so that day was really special. You know, I just want to wrap it up because I'm, I'm looking at the time here. Um, and I just want to say um, that no, no matter what problem that you have, there's a solution. I may not know what the future holds, but I do know who holds it. It has been such a gift today to share with you and to share my experience. Newcomers, keep coming back. Um, I love you, if nobody told you that today. I also want to say, um, if you're a newcomer, don't you leave here without giving me a hug. Because I will track you down and I will beat you. Thank you so much for letting me share. What a blessing. can join our conversation, you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to leave a message directly from your computer. Or you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. And if that's too many options, just go to therecovery.show, our website. There's a contact button in the menu at the top of the page, and you can find all the ways that you can contribute your voice there. Thank you. Kathy wrote, Hi, Spencer and team. This is Kathy H. from California. Or does she mean Canada? C-A. Hmm. I really appreciate the time and energy you put into the podcast each week. I listen at least five days per week during work commutes or walking the dog. I use it to support my recovery between my one to three meetings a week. I heard about it from an Al-Anon friend about eight months ago. I decided tonight that it's time to reach out and contact you. I've been attending Al-Anon for almost one and a half years. My daughter's therapist suggested Al-Anon, and after a few months of waffling, I finally walked through the doors and immediately felt the support and recovery that I so desperately needed. I have alcoholism in my family of origin. The isms were quite obvious, but my mom's drinking was more subtle until after I moved out to begin college. I'm the oldest of six kids and was parentized to care for my siblings and my mom. It wasn't until the emotional abuse I was experiencing in my marriage escalated to the point of threatening violence that I snapped out of my trance and started looking around me. My husband's drinking had bothered me for years, and after listening to many AA speakers, I now believe that he is likely an alcoholic. He is very much in denial and not in treatment. Al-Anon helped me to slow down the obsessive thinking, the worrying and stress about the future, so that I could begin to take things one step at a time and focus on the present and on myself. I got a sponsor at about four months into the program. I'm currently working on my step four inventory and have gotten more involved in service over the last few months. I'm often reminded that we can find contentment and even happiness whether the alcoholic is drinking or not. I can truly say that I have serenity most of the time, thanks to Al-Anon, even with chaos and difficulties around me. I have a suggestion for a topic, depression of loved ones. My 14-year-old daughter struggles with depression and anxiety with a history of self-harm. One year ago, she tried to commit suicide for the third time and ended up in a psych ward for almost two weeks. That kick-started both of our intense recovery. When my then 13-year-old daughter was hospitalized and afterwards at residential partial hospitalization, intensive outpatient, and now outpatient treatment, I have been focusing on my own recovery. My experience is that my daughter's behavior is in many ways similar to an alcoholic and that much of Al-Anon's tools apply to my relationship with her. It's important for me to detach with love and not ride her roller coaster of emotions. I need to know where my boundaries are and to be calm and patient as I'm enforcing them. It's also important for me to be her mom and to provide guidance, support, and healthy structure so there is that balance needed. 
A friend of mine struggles with depression and has attempted suicide, and I find the same is true in my relationship with her. My discussions with her husband remind me of Alanon and the three C's. He didn't cause her depression, he cannot control her behavior, and he can't cure her. I recently led that the CDC lists suicide as one of the leading causes of death in the U.S., and that it is on the rise for both adults and teens. According to Mental Health America, a nonprofit founded in 1909, 20% of adults have a mental health condition, and youth mental health is worsening. Mental health issues can certainly contribute to addiction as well. I would love to contribute to a podcast as a guest host on this topic or any other that may be helpful to you. Thank you so much for creating this resource. Not only do I use the podcast as recovery support, but there have been times when I have used it to remind myself of Al-Anon tools during crisis. I've had the podcast on detachment playing in one ear as I'm laying next to my daughter after a panic attack has slowed down. You're making a difference in my life, and I'm so grateful for that, Kathy. Yeah, that's a good topic. Depression or mental illness in, in loved ones. And the similarities, really, in the ways that that affects us, just as alcoholism or addiction does. I've seen that myself. And then there are, of course, the dual diagnosis people. It's even uh, more difficult. Tom left us a voicemail. Hi, this is Tom. I'm calling. Actually, I'm not calling. I'm sending you a voice message from Switzerland. And I just wanted to tell you that I absolutely love the recovery show. I've benefited enormously, and I'm very, very grateful for the show and for you doing it. That's about it. I just uh, wanted to say that. And also, I remember on the on one of the last shows, you said you were going in for, I think, for a surgery. So I wanted to wish you all the best for the surgery. I probably already had surgery, but for your recovery. So thanks a lot and lots of love from Switzerland. And thank you, Tom, for for saying that. Diane asks about another topic. Hi, Spencer. I hope you and your family are doing well. Do you have a show about lying? I have a recovering addict, not working any program, several years younger than me, who is lying about me, claiming I have said stuff I have not. This has happened on several occasions, and I do not know what to do. I did say I had not done what was claimed, and the person said I believe the addict before you. I go to several Al-Anon meetings a week, read the Al-Anon literature, listen to the RS. I know I'm not perfect, but I have not and did not lie, as this person is claiming. Thanks and blessings, Diane. That, I mean, that's a symptom of alcoholism or addiction, the lying. I don't know that we've talked about it explicitly. I know we've referred a number of times to the reading on page 30 of how Al-Anon works, and I think there are other readings, too, that don't come to mind right now. There's a reading that talks about picking up the rope and about one of the reasons, at least, that, that an alcoholic or addict will, will you know, throw out a challenge is to distract from them from their own behavior. And I know it doesn't help you, but maybe a little bit of understanding maybe why it's happening. Practicing detachment, you know, recognizing that it's about them, not about you. Yeah, it's a difficult situation. Got a couple of reviews from, from iTunes recently. Bob writes, I love this podcast. I listen several times a week, and it makes a huge difference in my emotional health. It gives me great insight into staying calm and peaceful in the midst of craziness of addiction. And Jacqueline writes, self-care at its best. This podcast is a lifesaver for me. I am helped greatly every time I listen. Spencer's voice is calming, and he seems to have a great balance of guests and featured speakers. The peace and serenity I have gained from these podcasts are a great blessing. Thank you, Bob and Jacqueline, for leaving those reviews, iTunes reviews. Do help to make it easier for people who are seeking recovery to decide to listen to the podcast. So thank you for that. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Debbie, Kimberly, Catherine, and Sasha did. And thank you again for that. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click or tap on the books link in the menu at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. 
It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to therecovery.show, or just listening. We are here for you. for listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too we did not talk about a problem you are facing today feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode may understanding love and peace growing you one day at a time